0: Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge
1: assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense.
0: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the the Fantasy Fantasy Throwdown Throwdown Podcast. Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. (laughs) With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender.
1: Good morning. Welcome to the show, folks. Lots of news to get to, and then we're going to cover Thursday Night Football uh, later on tonight, but... uh, Yeah, let's start off with the Yankees, because uh, Yankees owner Hal Steinbrenner has stated that he expects to have Aaron Boone back because, and as he told the Associated Press, as far as Boone's concerned, we just signed him, and for all the reasons I listed a a year ago, I believe he is a very good manager, I don't see a change there. I want to focus on what, wh- where Hal is saying this. We just signed him because he's talking about the contract extension. That's all you need to know, Yankees fans. Hal does not give a rat's ass about the production of Arroo. He made a point of saying we just signed him because he, he's talking about the contract extension. Boone guy. so. For those of you who do not recall and. It's why I laugh about this team. Last October, Boone and the Yankees signed a three-year contract extension uh, through the 2024 season with a club option for 2025. Based on the results of just basically making it to the playoffs, because obviously we all know Boone has not had even a remotely good playoff uh, uh, run in his tenure as Yankees manager. So, that tells you where Hal's priorities are. He doesn't want to pay Boone and then pay another manager. That's all it tells you. He's okay with getting knocked out in the ALCS as far as he's concerned. So, I'm just going to be blunt with you guys. As poorly as Boone operated in this postseason, with all the gaffes, showing clips of the 2004 ALCS to somehow motivate the club When they're down 0-3, instead of, you know, actually giving them something of substance that they can work off of. Nope. Business as usual with the Yankees. This situation is untenable. I told folks this before the season even started. I got flamed for it for months. Because people didn't want to accept the fact that the Yankees are just going to be a rudderless franchise. Yeah, they're a nice, uh, fancy yacht, but... It never goes anywhere. It can't go anywhere with the current model that they're operating under. Unless Hal wants to change. And he's not going to change. Because he's too lazy to actually hire a real GM beyond Cashman. And it's not to say Cashman's the worst GM in baseball. But he's not the best. He's not even in the top third. So you've got all the money in the world, but you still can't execute properly because you don't have the best and brightest. So that's why you always fall short of the top-tier teams. You can outspend all the middle-tier teams and you'll more often than not beat them out. But you're not going to beat the high-end teams that may not spend as much but are way more efficient with their resources than the Yankees are. So that's the latest. But I will say this with my take for Aaron Judge. If your thought process about this whole free agency is about your legacy and winning then you can't come back to the Yankees because you're just going to get more of the same from the organization. Nothing is going to change with the Yankees. So if winning is your top priority, and I'm not even sure if it is with judge to be perfectly honest with you guys, I, I kind of have a feeling that judge is go, still going to go with the highest dollar amount in terms of what he can get from a free agency standpoint. And that's nothing to hold against them. It just makes the most sense from an economic standpoint You got life-changing money regardless, but do you want to be the highest-paid player in baseball? I don't think he'll get there, but he can get close. So at the end of the day, I don't think signing with the Yankees is about winning. If the Yankees are willing to pay, and I'm not sure if the Yankees are willing to pay as much as some teams are going to be willing to offer Aaron Judge. That's the piece I'm still not sold on. But if it's about winning, the Yankees are not the place to come back to. It's just not. That's just the reality of the situation. So uh, we'll uh, we'll leave it off there. But that was uh, the news update uh, on the Yankee front. Meanwhile, the train wreck that is the Denver Broncos season continues. Uh, The Broncos, as you may recall, did not have... uh, Russell Wilson available last week uh, when they played the Jets uh, due to a shoulder injury. That well, he, he well, there are two things. Russ says he's has, he has a shoulder injury um, that he needed injections for. People are uh, talking about uh, folks that are not uh, necessarily. I don't know, like, they're finding excuses for Russell Wilson in in his camp. The other reason why he was held out was because of a hamstring issue, uh, which might explain why Russ has not been running much at all lately in terms of uh, scrambling, which is a problem when, you know, his legs is one of the biggest reasons why you want to have Russ uh, in the mix. It's because he can actually move around and be efficient, you know, in the past. That hasn't happened this year, obviously, but that's the whole point of having Russell Wilson, and the the goal was originally that Russ was going to be that playmaker moving around, getting deep balls down the field. Hasn't happened. The Broncos are 2-5. and five. They're playing in London uh, this week, and as part of, for those of you who don't know, London's five hours ahead. Yeah, obviously, being in England. The Broncos are flying. It's an eight-hour flight. Everyone's trying to get some sleep. You're losing five hours. Who is the one dude not sleeping? Russell Wilson. The Instagram story explaining that Broncos players to try to sleep. And Russ is literally doing high knees in the middle of the aisle while his teammates are trying to sleep. No wonder they hate this dude's guts. It is an eight-hour flight. Get some sleep. What is wrong with this team? Like, I don't understand how Russell Wilson is doing high knees. And for those of you who don't know what high knees are, he's literally jogging in place as his teammates are trying to sleep. I don't even understand how you can be that tone deaf. Like, he's stretching and doing high knees in the middle of the airplane. I I just, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Like, if if you did this in a sitcom uh, about sports, people would say you were being unrealistic and over the top. Like this entire Broncos season just reads like something out of some like satire about uh, of a sports movie. Because it, it, none of it makes a lick of sense. And it just highlights just how out of touch Russell Wilson seems to be from the... Uh, the I mean, I'd say not just his teammates, just most of the NFL. It, it, it's actually giving more credence uh, as to why Richard Sherman hates his guts so much. Because, <laughs> I mean... These stories are just wild. It's like now, now I actually want to hear like uh, someone do some more behind the uh, behind the stage gossip on Russ's final years with the Seahawks. Because if he's acting this way with the Broncos, like there's gotta be other things that were going down that Seattle was kind of keeping under wraps about Russ and just how he was running that team. Because he he did have complete autonomy, and I mean technically he, he is supposed to be the leader on this uh, Broncos team but the team the teammates are just seeing through this this is just bizarre behavior to be perfectly honest but I I had to I had to laugh I had to laugh because I mean eight hour flight you try to sleep you got some dude just running in the middle of the aisle it's the, it's the weirdest situation in football it's it really is. I don't even know how, (laughs) like, as a teammate, it's like, how do you even have a heart-to-heart? It's like, this is just basic common sense and courtesy. People are trying to sleep. Could could you just be a little bit quieter? Like, Like, could you do an activity that, or, you know, how about just get some sleep? Literally, you're losing hours of sleep. Like, come on. Just sleep, or just r- watch game film. Anything, anything but what you're trying to do. There, it's like it's just so. It's just so. Uh, like oh, like ugh I don't know what to say about Russ. It, it just, it, it just boggles the mind. Just how poorly this, uh, this first year has gone. It's like it's like there was never even a honeymoon period. It, it's just like nope, complete. Complete trade wreck is like this is like a uh we're, we're almost uh, approaching like the annulment like phase of the of the relationship. Like Russ has been so rough. I, I don't it's like they're going to fire Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos coach, uh, as they should because he should have never been hired in the first place. But I, I don't know how you correct Russ uh, and his inability to connect with players. It's just absolutely wild. You could have an eight-hour flight, and your team leader is not, not only not sleeping, but disturbing everyone else on the plane. I don't understand how this is possibly happening in the NFL with a veteran QB. Like, that is so bizarre. So utterly bizarre. Anyway, uh, we got a, we got Thursday Night Football on tap here. Uh, but uh, we'll take a quick break, and I'll dive into... The matchups, because with the Ravens and and the Buccaneers, I, I have a few thoughts on the game itself. So we'll take a break and get right back after it.
0: Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. Alright folks, so
1: tonight's game we have the Ravens as a point and a half favorite over the home Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a 44 and a half total. Listen, the Bucs have been struggling all year long. And, you know, obviously uh, the drama between Tom Brady and Giselle there's a whole there's a whole way of uh kind of looking at this uh Brady's distracted on the home front uh he's going through a potential divorce his offensive line is completely shot and the craziest thing about all of this and I kept saying to folks like I couldn't believe Tom Brady came back is that he knew He didn't have his all pro center uh, Ryan Jensen because he got hurt in training camp uh, before Brady decided to come back. He knew that he lost two more members of that offensive line. He knew he was 45 years old. It's like this was an ego project where Tom Brady wanted to play uh, until he was uh, 45. And now he seems to be doubling down on the fact that he wants to keep playing it. It's like, this is almost Patrick Bateman-esque in terms of, like, uh, just the crazy focus. And I do mean crazy focus on, uh, on, on aspects of your life because there is no rational reason why with Tom Brady having a $375 million deal to do broadcast work for Fox. I'm going to say that again. Tom Brady has a 10-year, $375 million deal to do broadcast work for Fox Sports. He had that in the offseason. He put that off just to come back and play football another year. It, it, it is the craziest thing ever. And you knew your supermodel wife was not down with that. He didn't care. He did it anyway. Like, th- that is the definition of insanity. It's like, I don't even think Michael Jordan would have committed to that as much as he loves basketball if he had $375 million in the bag. And was risking a divorce on top of that to come back and play basketball. Even when he owned the Wizards, I don't think MJ comes back if he's got that much additional cash uh, inflow for doing other stuff outside of basketball. No, I I can't see it. Like, Brady's just a different kind of psychopath. But, you know, here's the problem. As much as Brady could want it, this is just not a good matchup for Brady. And this is a weird one too, because the uh, the Raven uh, the Ravens, I mean, it, it, it's strange because uh, you know while the Ra- I, and the Ravens actually I I, I I may have misspoke. I I thought I said that the Ravens were um, underdogs to the Bucks but um, uh, with the point and a half difference both of these teams are terrible with the spread so far this year. The Ravens are 2-4 and 1 against the spread. Uh, they pushed one time and the Bucks are 2 and 5. Like th- these are not teams that are reliable with spread picks. This is almost one where and it's t- uh, tight enough where you're almost getting like a pick 'em uh situation here. But I'm going to say exactly this about the Bucks. Tampa can not pass block but somehow, are even worse run blocking. The Buccaneers are on track to set an NFL record for lowest rushing yards per game. They're at sixty-six and a half per game rushing on the season. That is almost two yards less than the all-time worst amount. And uh, the t- the team that actually did that was. I want to say it was the Super Bowl winning Giants in in 2012, uh, uh, just because we were uh, we had so many injuries at running back that year. But literally, the it's almost in incomparable given how good the Bucs O line was last year. That it's a testament to how good those guys were that the backups are this much of a drop off because that's the problem. They can't run the ball, and because they can't run the ball, they can't keep teams honest. They can't pass block, so the pressure up the middle is getting to Brady. Brady can't move. He he never could move, but he's 45 now. It, like, it, it's, it's beyond a difficult ask. This is just the fact that literally he cannot move anymore, guys. So there, there are two things I want to play out of this. How did the Bucs win this game? The Bucks win this game by somehow keeping it close enough with their defense and forcing turnovers from the Ravens. That is it. The Bucks offense against the Ravens defense, even though the Ravens defense is incredibly sus, in the first half they should overwhelm Tampa. I think the uh, uh what you got with Patrick Prince, like there's going to be pressure uh, I mean Patrick Queen, uh, Patrick Queen, there's going to be pressure on brady throughout the first half the issue that happens with the ravens in the second half is they get a like they get gassed and i mean not just gassed i mean horribly gassed the reason why the ravens has blown so many leads in the second half you clearly see that they got a gas tank for three quarters and that fourth quarter is just open game for anyone to keep chucking the ball down the field so if just being perfectly honest I still don't trust the Ravens to to win this game outright. I still think there's a chance Tampa can win, but they got to keep it close. So there are a couple of ways we can game theory this one out. Because I think the most logical bet to approach here, it's it's not the spread. It's actually attacking this game for the first half results. Because the first half results... Is where the Ravens are strongest. The first half spread for the Ravens is is still keeping them as a dog, but it's minus one. Fit, uh, the, uh, the, so it'll get you'll literally get even money for their first half money line uh, at plus one hundred. I think that's the best bet you can make. I think the Ravens win this first half. You can't trust the Ravens second half based off of their performances this year. But Tampa has been such a slow starter. They don't run the ball. They don't pass block. This is when the Ravens are at their strongest. I think the sacks and everything else makes it a better play for the Ravens just to bet them on the uh, money line at even money for the first half and just take your win there. I don't trust anything else about uh, this game because there are a couple of ways that uh, on the uh, Bucks side, offensively, I expect the Bucs to try to uh, run the ball more with Leonard Fournette. The problem is, even from a rushing prop standpoint, the numbers, I I would say, it, it's pretty fair given where uh, they've been. Leonard Fournette's uh, rushing prop on most sites is at 51.5. I mean, it's, it's hard to make a case where you see Leonard Fournette cracking 60 yards on the Ravens' defense. Because the way you attack the Ravens is usually through the air. It's hard seeing Leonard Fournette running for 60, 70 yards uh, tonight. That's the problem. So 51 and a half is a pretty fair line. I don't see anything out of the order. Like, that's pr- like pretty on the number there in terms of a prop. Rashad White, uh, Fournette's backup, is at 15 and a half, uh, on DraftKings and sixteen and a half and on FanDuel. I could take the under there because I don't think Rashad White is going to get the carries to justify the prop. I think he's going to be used more in the passing game as an alternative to Leonard Fournette, even though uncle Lenny has been getting a ton of targets from Brady. He's he's actually, I want to say he's either second on the team or third, just because of the injuries uh, to Godwin and Evans at various points. Um, He's either second or third in terms of total targets on uh, Brady's side from pass attempts. But, I think Rashad White probably gets mixed into the passing game a bit more tonight, but my biggest concern with this game is the fact that you know, on the buck side, I don't know where they consistently move the ball unless they're down. And that's where I kind of look at it as like you, you take the uh you take the Ravens first half results, and then the second half, you you kind of hope for the best because the, the 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 completion props on this game are kind of wild. The longest pass completion prop for Brady is 38-and-a-half tonight, which you would say, yeah, that's easy to get. But because the Bucks haven't had many explosive plays to begin with, and even when they've hit the underneath routes, teams have been tackling them. They haven't been getting a ton of yards after catch. Like, that prop is actually looking pretty tough to get. I actually like Lamar's prop of 32-and-a-half of longest pass completion Mainly because the yards have to catch of what you get from Rashad Bateman uh, works out where I think he could probably hit that. Like, if if you get Rashad Bateman in stride, I think you're probably going to break that prop with Lamar Jackson. I don't necessarily like it from the Brady end because, f- uh, like, 38 and a half, that basically means that Evans and Godwin have to uh, get over the top of the safety. And, uh, and be in the red zone in order to like, break that one. Like The yards have to catch on both those guys. They haven't, like just because of injuries and everything else, they haven't been able to pull away from defenders n- nearly as clean as Bateman. So, to me, the, pa- uh, the passing completion prop is also leaning towards the Ravens side, even though you would look at Brady as being obviously the more accomplished passer than Lamar. This is about the tools available. I don't think the speed... On the uh, Buccaneer side is where it has been in the past, so uh, the Bucks are still looking um, in terms of overall team speed. They're not as bad as Carolina, but they're not that much better in terms of overall team speed. Uh, that you know they are doing any better? Like they are struggling from a speed standpoint uh, to make it work, and that's why I'm concerned because I look at this from the standpoint of. Ravens get up, Tampa has to come from behind, and they're throwing underneath in catch-up mode. That's why I have concerns about the rushing prop for Leonard Fournette, and I'm looking more along the lines of, I think uh, Fournette's passing uh, reception prop, he's at four and a half, uh, over under four and a half receptions, I think you're probably... uh, you're probably going to get the over on receptions tonight from Leonard Fournette. And then the receiving yards, he's at he's at 29.5. I think Fournette's props on both the total receptions and receiving yards are low. I think that's where you kind of attack it. Um, Fournette has been getting peppered by Brady underneath. He has been trying to force it, the issue with Godwin and Evans. I think uh, Fournette is the way uh, Brady attacks this Ravens defense. He's going to take his shots with Godwin and Evans, but from a receiving yard standpoint, you're looking at 72 and a half for Godwin and 68 and a half for Evans. Those are fair numbers, but I I don't see Brady throwing for a ton of yards. That's where I'm I'm kind of looking at it's like this is an either or situation because uh, Brady's passing prop is at 282 uh, for the game. Lamar's at 209. I just look at this from the standpoint of Brady, realistically, I think needs to be over 300 yards to win this game. The fact that his prop is attitude, to, it, to me, this leans more towards Ravens win. It's a close win because they s- stumble in the second half. But I think that first half is going to be dominant enough where you get the Ravens up. I think it justifies Lamar's price tag from a DFS standpoint. Lamar, you're going to be uh, running into uh, pricing concerns on DraftKings. So I think from uh, just a general game theory standpoint, Lamar captain is still going to be the most uh, popular route folks go. And reasonably so. Uh, because Lamar is going to run you 11800 on in the flex spot. He'll run you over 17000 in the captain spot. And deservedly so. I think the way to go is Mark Andrews at 9200 in the flex. Uh, you can play him there, but I think too many folks are playing Mark Andrews in the flex. I think you got to play Mark Andrews in the captain and shift Lamar to the flex uh, overall. That way, you get the salary savings uh, from 17000 to just under 14000 with Mark Andrews captain. You have Lamar in the flex and then you start figuring out which option you want to go with, I would say I take Leonard Fournette over Godwin or Evans in terms of options, mainly because it's a little bit cheaper to fit in Fournette, and I think because of the receptions, I think uh, Fournette's going over on receptions and yards. So because of that, I think he's going to be close enough to the point uh, production you're going to get out of Godwin or Evans that he makes the most sense. You fade Brady and then you have and I'm obviously not going to spell out the entire lineup, but you have options with both kickers because I still think uh Justin Tucker's the best kicker in the league, but Ryan Suckup is not too far behind and he's been putting up the numbers throughout the season because Brady, even though they've been struggling with the yardage, they've been at least managing well enough to get themselves into field goal range, and Suckup has delivered for them. So I expect Suckup to have a decent night kicking. I always expect Tucker to do well from a kicking standpoint with his leg and distance. So I think both kickers are in play. And so, you know, you can play the kickers, you can play a defense or two, but usually you try to correlate the defense with your captain selection. But I think that's the way to go. I don't like playing Brady tonight. The the reason why I don't like playing Brady tonight is, as I've outlined, I don't think he has enough from a passing yardage standpoint to justify it. And because the yardage won't be there, it magnifies the receptions that his uh, pass catchers get. I think the pass catchers monetarily make more sense. Even though Brady is less expensive than Mike Evans, I think Mike Evans still can outscore Brady if he gets the red zone targets that I'm expecting him to. But Evans is my least favorite pass catcher am- amongst the other uh, uh, players on the Bucks. So that's where I kind of look at this from the standpoint of if you if you gauge if you gauge this overall uh, matchup, I think this leans towards the Ravens. The Bucks come back in the second half. The pass catchers for the Bucks outscore Brady, and Fournette's probably the biggest beneficiary of how the game script goes. Because they'll run the ball, or try to run the ball, but then he'll also catch some passes out of the backfield. I think that's how the Bucks kind of keep themselves in the game. Suck up kicks a couple of field goals. Uh, we're going to be pretty close to that 44.5 total, so I don't want to say lean with it one way or the other. But I do like the Ravens' first half uh, overall to win uh, at even money. And then we kind of go from there. But uh, that's my take on the game. I still think the Ravens win. I think it ends up being a very tight game down the stretch just because these teams just don't know how to close out games. That that seems to be the most uh, obvious aspect of uh, why they've been struggling. Uh, the squads are not where they should be at this juncture of the year. But we're running out of time. So they both have to turn around sooner than later. So that's going to do it for me. Uh, I'm going to go and get on out of here, but best of luck to everyone and
0: enjoy the game. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets.